Amen. It's good to see the family of faith. Give your neighbor a high five and say, bless you in the name of Jesus. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today with the family of faith. I can think of no better place you can be than right here this morning. Amen. Do you know today that God wants to do something in your life right now? Somebody say right now. I'm not talking about tomorrow, next week, or I'm not talking about when you come next Sunday, things are going to change. I'm talking about God wants to do something with you right now. And I'm here to tell you, God sent me this morning with the right now message in a right now time, in a time that I could declare to you that this word is Rima word, right? How many of you know it's nice to get fresh bread? Amen. Sometimes you can get day old bread, but it comes at a discount. Today, you're going to get Rima word, Rima word, fresh bread. Amen. And I'm so glad the Lord has brought each and every one of you here. You are here for a purpose. So I don't want you hearing the message today. Say, oh, I wish my auntie was here because, man, she really needs this message. God is speaking to you. He's speaking to each and every one of us. It's a right now word for a right now time, and God is moving strategically here at Harvest Point Church. Let me say this to you. So this is the last message in this series entitled The End from the Beginning. Uh, this message entitled Begin With Me is going to begin with you. Amen. And this, this next week, the Spirit of the Lord has been talking to me about the shaking that's going on and that the shaking that is designed by God to prepare the believer for this latter rain, for the outpouring of God. And so we're going to start a series. I don't know what the series will be titled, but I promise you I'm going to shake you up. Amen. I'm going to shake you like a salt shaker, and, and we're going to make sure that some salt comes out of your life. Glory to God. So, so today, I, I just want to prep you a little bit for the message. Today, it's going to get personal. And why shouldn't it get personal? Right? And so, I hope that today you're going to hear with your own ears. And I pray that you'll let the Spirit of God talk to you. Uh, because, you know, when, whenever a church like ours is asking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, how many know the Spirit demands truth? truth in the inward parts and listen if if we want the spirit and i know i want him uh the, the closer i get to god how many know the closer you get to god the more revelation you get of how dirty you are <laughs> i mean i look real clean right now but the light is dim but if we got in real bright light you might say hey pastor i'm notice you got some stains on your shirt i don't know hopefully i don't but but suppose i did and so today i'm just going to encourage i'm going to preface the message by saying let the message fall where it needs to fall. Let it fall in your life where it needs to fall. I don't want you thinking about nobody but yourself because guess what today? It begins with us. It begins with you. And so I don't want you thinking about anybody else. I want you to hear this message. And if you could just, just get some tunnel vision today and just focus in on, on the word of the Lord and what God wants to do in your life. And I promise you, if we do this, then everything else is just, just the expression of the fullness of the Spirit of God. Because how many today to know that the Harvest Point Church is believing that in that latter rain, even now, that we're believing revival to take over this church. And we know where that revival starts. Guess where it's starting? It's starting in your homes. So that when you leave your house, you're coming to the church, you're bringing revival with you. Amen. So we've got a lot to do. Are you ready? You ready to get down? Let's get down. I mean, look at your neighbor and say, we're going to get down today. Look somebody in the left and say, we're going to get down with the get down. Yeah, so let's, let, let's just get down with it, right? So stand to your feet. We're going to read the Word of the Lord. When you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. I want to read to you a very unique story of a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And I'll read that out of Acts chapter 5. And I want to show you just the uniqueness, uh, the terror that should be, obviously, in the house of the Lord, uh, as the Spirit of God should command that respect from our lives. But their story is, is given to us, I believe, for posterity's sake, that we might come in and understand the voice of God and the purpose of the Spirit of God amongst us. So if you're in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, I'm going to read all the way this through down to verse 11 because verse 11 is really the gist of why I'm reading this. I'm reading this for verse 11. Well, I'll, I'll teach you a little bit about Ananias and Sapphira, but I really want to bring you to verse 11 because I believe verse 11 is the key to the outpouring of the Spirit of God. It's the outpouring of the Spirit of God in your life. Come on, somebody. Here we are. 
Acts chapter, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, of course, working through the gift of knowledge, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thy own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, catch this, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down. And notice what happened to him. He gave up the ghost. Look at your name and say, we're talking about Casper, the friend of ghost. We're talking about his soul, brother. He died. And a great fear came on all them that heard these things. Now watch what happens. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answering unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Verse 11, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Y'all get that? Y'all ready to pray with me? Look at your neighbor and say, don't be scared. Don't be scared. We're going to get down with something this morning. It's going to be a benefit to you. Y'all ready to pray with me? Pray with me. Come on, everybody. Father, we thank you for the instruction of your word. We trust it. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your guidance through that word. We trust you too. And we know that you're guiding us to places that are going to help us prepare for your arrival, for for a fresh outpouring, uh, for, for a new anointing. That this church, this place, this this time of togetherness won't be lost, but that we'll all be in the presence of the Almighty. We'll all benefit from His goodness. We're going to walk out of here strengthened with His ability. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray fall fresh and fall anew upon this place. As, As we are keeping the grass cut, we're mowing the lawn at Harvest Point Church. We're doing those things that are necessary to prepare for your arrival. Holy Spirit, we need a time of refreshing. We need a fresh outpouring. Uh, we, we need a renewal. We, we, we need to be energized. Uh, we need to be exercised again in the Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do, do whatever you need to do with us today. Help us, guide us, strengthen us, move upon us. Uh, help this message fall into the very recesses of our heart. Plant that seed deep inside of us that it may yield back into the kingdom of heaven, not 30, not 60, but a hundred times that which was sown. We pray it right here, right now in this place, and we pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, before you see it, it's so important. You go grab somebody, and I want you to tell them this. It begins with you. Go grab somebody and tell them it begins with you. It begins with you. Tell them it begins with you, babe. Go get somebody. Go get somebody. Say, man, it begins with you. Don't be looking at me, baby. Look at yourself. It begins with you. Love you, man. God bless you. God bless you, my man. It begins with you. Amen. It begins with you. begins with you. It begins with you. 
Holy Spirit, start right here at Harvest Point Church. Start right here at the house of God. Do, do, do you know today that the scriptures Peter reveals to the church, he says this, for if judgment is to start first, if judgment is to begin, it's going to begin at the house of God. And if it begin with us, what would be the end of them who obey not the gospel of God? For if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Judgment starts here. Does that bother you? The, the church should be experts in what is right. We, through the Spirit of God, should have, a, have an elevated sense of judgment. What's right and what's wrong? Does it bother you to say that God would want to start here first to get things right? Wouldn't God want in his own house to make sure that his house is right before he judges the world? Friends, listen. God wants to get things right. God wants to get things right. Will you say that to yourself? God wants to get things right. And he wants to get things right in your life. Because it begins with you. Let me show you a beautiful passage of Scripture that's going to help you to see God the way you should be seeing him. Because when judgment comes, we got to know who's doing the judging. <laughs> How many know you're going to be judged? You need to know who's doing the judging. Let me give you this passage of Scripture. Some of you are familiar with Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Catch this. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now watch this. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth. And God has given him a name that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That, that passage gives you glimpses of the person Christ. I have never seen the image of the pre-incarnate Christ. I've not been privy to that knowledge. Before Jesus became man, he was pre-incarnate. He had a form of God. I don't know what that form looked like. I do know that at times Jesus made cameo appearances. It's called a theophany. That Jesus would come and visit. He visited Joshua on his way into Jericho. He's the one who visited Abraham to speak of the baby that Sarah was about to birth. He made visits and he visited us like men. It's a theophany when God appears. But I don't know what the pre-incarnate Christ looks like. I'll tell you this. I know what he looks like when he came. Because he looked like me. Right? We see Jesus in every semblance of humanity. How many know that Jesus was a baby? Yes, sir. that amazing that God was a baby? Yes, sir. That, that Mary had to suckle him, had to change his diaper. She had to spoon feed him. She had to teach him how to walk and do the things that kids do. It's amazing to think that God humbled himself that way. Some of us get semblances of the Lord even as a teenager. Remember when they lost Jesus in Jerusalem? Yes. Right? As a teenager, lost. How many of that Joseph knows what it's like to lose, uh, pardon me, that, that Jesus knows what it's like to lose his father Joseph? He knows tragedy. He knows hurt. It's amazing to see that Jesus went through all of these things, even being betrayed. And most of our semblance of God, most of your visualization of the Lord is on the cross. Right. We see him suffering there. And friend, let me tell you the shame of that cross. We in modesty remove his loin, have a loincloth. But how many know that Jesus was crucified naked? Right. I mean, there's a shame in what we see that the Bible, even, even the prophet says, we as it were turned our faces from him. The shame that Jesus endured. And we see him there on the cross. It's amazing to me that even today uh, in our, in our modern, modern Christianity that we don't see enough images of Jesus at his ascension. I mean, you know, his ascension is pretty awesome. Yes, sir. 
that the Bible says that, that, that while he was there telling the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem, that he was lifting up his hands, and as he was blessing them, he ascended back into heaven. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. We believe that God sent him. We just don't believe that God picked him up. Trust me, brother, when I tell you that when he ascended into the cloud, he ascended back into the Shekinah glory. That's the last visual earthly representation we have of Jesus as he ascended back into heaven. But watch this. There's one man that revealed to the church this Jesus that's been glorified. Jesus doesn't look like what you think he looks like. There was one disciple who the Bible says was the beloved. A disciple who the Bible says when Jesus was at the Last Supper and he said, there's a one here who's going to betray me. The one who sops his bread in my cup was the one who the Bible says put his head on the bosom of the Lord and embraced Christ and says, who is it that's going to betray you? He's the beloved. Some of you remember the disciples when, when, when Peter was being reinstated at the third request of God, do you love me? That it was Peter who turned over and pointed his finger at John and said, what would become of him? And the Bible says, this is the one who put his head upon the bosom of the Lord. Who loved Jesus? He's the beloved. All of the disciples died martyr's death except John. And you know, they tried to kill him. They threw him in a cauldron of oil, but they couldn't boil him. He wasn't consumed in it. So they exiled him to an isle in Patmos, to the slave mines. And it was there in the cave that God gave him a revelation. Well, well, what was the first revelation that John got? Do you know that John said, blessed is any man that reads the, the writings in this book? Why is it blessed? Because the first revelation you get is the revelation of Jesus. You need a fresh revelation of Jesus in your life. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, you need a fresh revelation, baby. What, what you need this morning is in your life a fresh revelation of the person called Jesus. You need a fresh revelation. Uh, let, let, me, let, let me give you, are you ready for the revelation? Right? These things are embedded in my spirit, right? Uh, I'm a Bible reader, man. I'm a Bible memorizer, man. I eat up the Bible, man. I eat from it, man. That's how I make it through the week. If I ain't reading my Bible and meditating and studying the Bible, I'll lose my mind. Listen, hear this quickly. Watch this. John said he was taken up into the spirit, into the heavenlies. And he heard a voice from behind him saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He told John, John, whatever you see, I want you to write it down. Send it to the seven churches in Asia because they're about to be judged. He says, so as I was there, I turned to see the voice that was behind me. And as I turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. He's writing this down for you, baby. I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, with the garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white as wool, as white as snow. And his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as though it burned in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand were seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And you see, brothers and sisters, his countenance was like the sun that shineth in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. That doesn't sound like the Jesus in the manger. That doesn't sound like the Jesus you have on your cross that you point to and say, there's my Savior. This is the glorified Jesus who stands at the right hand of God and this is what he looks like in the glorified state in heaven. He is God. God. Look at your neighbor and say, he's God. 
Friend, can I encourage you? That's the image you need to have in your mind about him. Because, friend, he's coming to judge. Do you know that all of the church was terrified for one thing? You know what they were terrified about? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In that image and in that likeness, you will stand before him. We must all appear for everyone to receive that which they've done in their body according to as he has done, whether it be good or bad. We talk about Jesus. We talk about how full his love is and how great he is and how wonderful he is, not realizing that the greatness and the compassion and the fullness and the grace and all that Jesus bestowed upon us, the same thing's going to be And the way that he sees and how he judges is going to be perfect. In the exercising of who he is as he peers into your heart, friend, you got to be ready for that. Do, Do you know that Jesus, John records that Jesus says, the Father, hear this, John 5, 22. The Father in heaven, God, will judge no man. For he has delivered the judgment unto his son. St. John 5, 27. The father has given me all authority to judge. And he's going to judge righteously. He's going to judge righteously. Let me show you how thorough that judgment is. Jesus says this. For every idle word that you speak, you're going to give account to me. And by your words, I'm going to justify you. Or by your words, I'll condemn you. Think about how thorough that is. What have you been saying lately? Uh, Do you know that an idle word is words that we speak that contain no faith? Useless words that we say that aren't empowered by faith in God. Do you know that that which is not of faith is of sin? Friend, listen, can can I share something dynamic with you? Can, Can I give you a dynamic? Anybody want a dynamic? Let let me tell you why I want the Holy Spirit to pour into this place. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, Let me tell you what Jesus said. And and I'm going to, in fact, open your Bible, St. Matthew 7. I'm going to give you something. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Uh, This to me is amazing. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Uh It's expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter will not come unto you. Right? But if I go away, I'll send him unto you. Now watch what he says. And when he comes, he's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He's going to tell you what's right or wrong. And he's going to give you the ability to judge that. Brothers and sisters, friends, hear me well. The Spirit of God comes to refine you. To give you a wisdom And an ability to look at life and say, that is wrong and this is right. Let me say it one more time to somebody. Because the Spirit of God is on the inside saying, that ain't right. That is wrong in the sight of God. And the closer you get to the Holy Spirit, the more minuscule those wrongs become. We start to see in the light of the Word of God. Friend, there's some things you're doing right now that had the Holy Spirit visited, you'd stop doing them instantaneously. There's some things going on in your mind that if you let the Holy Spirit in, he'd tell you, we don't think that way. That's not the kingdom of heaven. Friend, I'm here to tell you, you need the Holy Ghost, and you need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God, and you need to start walking in the Spirit of God if you're going to be judged accordingly. Friend, you need that. Could I suggest to you that you need to judge yourself? Don't be looking at me, baby. Uh, don't, don't be like Peter. Well, what about pastor? What, no, no, no. You need to think about yourself. Will you look at your name and say, you need to think about yourself. Don't be worried about what's going on in my life. What's going on in your life? You better check yourself or you wreck yourself. Friend, I'm here to tell you that judgment begins with you. Not me. It begins with you. You've got to judge yourself. Listen, you can't help me until you help yourself. Are you there in St. Matthew 7? I'm teaching something good this morning, man. I'm going to help you. Can I talk to you about about the plank 
and the moat. Anybody want to know the plank and the moat? Let me teach you the plank and the moat. I haven't even got over to Ananias and Sapphira yet. Just hold on. We go. We getting there. I know what I read. I know where I'm at. Are you there in St. Matthew 7? I could quote it. I'll read it. I like quoting and I like reading. Sometimes you got to read it for yourself. Sometimes you got to know the Bible for yourself. Otherwise, you'll end up in Gawana drinking Kool-Aid. Come on, somebody. Gawana, <laughs> St. Matthew chapter 7. Read this with me. Verse 1. Look what it says. Judge not. Listen, if judgment's to begin at the house of the Lord, you know where it begins? It begins with you. Not with your neighbor, not with your brother, sister. It begins with you. Quit trying to come to church and figure me out. Well, I wonder if Pastor really what he says he is. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he secretly does this. and secret. Get rid of that. Judge yourself. Listen, if you judged yourself, you could see plainly who I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if there's anybody here who wants to know who I am, there's a woman right there. She'll tell you who I am. She's sitting right there. And then I've got my son right there and my daughter. She was singing earlier. My, my Megan, uh, 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 Daniel, uh, Alexis, they'll tell you who I am. But that proof is found when you start to judge yourself. Judge yourself. It begins with you. Why? So Jesus says this. Don't judge. Don't judge. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, it shall be, it, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you again. Watch this. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? Yes, sir. But consider it not the beam that is in thy own eye. Yes, sir. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye? Yes, sir. Hypocrite. Come on, with it. First cast out the beam out of thy own eye, yes, sir. and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. Uh, you know what a moat is, right? A moat is a speck. C- could I say sod, a, a, a dust? Let's say sawdust, because we're talking about wood, right? Let, 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 let me show you something. How many did they know that God, in his infinite wisdom, yes, produced a mechanism in your eye that whenever you get a speck in your eye, it does something unique. It produces what we call Tears. Yes, sir. But ever get like an eyelash stuck in your, you know, and there's something in there and your eye just waters up. That's how God made it. Because God likes to flush the speck with water. Uh, Let me say that one more time. Let me say that one more time because a lot of you are brutes out there. Let me digress. God likes to flush the speck with water. Not with fingers. Not with utensils, not with stuff. His preference is water. Will you say that right now? Say, God likes to flush the moat with water. That's what he's been doing in your life. That's what he's been doing in your life. Listen, I'm not going to have you to raise your hand if you have a secret sin. Keep your hand down. There there are a couple, one hand, two hands went up, three hands went up. You don't have to put them up, but the point is this. When you go to the Spirit of God, what does he do? Does he beat you over the head? No. Does he put his hands around your throat? No. But what does he do? He flushes it with water. He's the Spirit. He washes it. You, you, you know what I love about the Spirit of God? Whenever I get alone with the Spirit of God and there's something he's working in me, he doesn't say to me, okay, yesterday you did 15 things that God didn't like. I, I wrote down this list for you, preacher. We got 18 things we got to discuss. No, no, no. It's always one thing. He shows it to me. He reveals it to me. He brings the word. He says, I'm here to help you overcome it. We're going to get over this preacher. And even though I might feel exhausted through the sin, he says, I'm going to be with you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, preacher. I'm going to help you get this right. And the second I get it right, he says, oh, there's something else. Then as soon as I get that right, oh, by the way. You see, because I'm being changed from glory to glory. I wasn't made glorious when I got saved. I'm being made glorious. 
right? And you know how he's making me glorious? Because one sin at a time, I'm perfecting my life before God. And you know why I perfect my life? Because I know when I get before him, I want all that stuff to be thrown away. Y'all better hear me, man. How many of you know that God will throw your sins into a sea of forgiveness, never to recount them against you? Brother and sister, how many like that verse? Man, I'm hanging my hat on that one. I'm taking everything to the Lord because I want to get it right. But he uses water. Now watch this. How many know? In fact, do this with me. Go, go, go to Galatians 5. I'm going I'm to quote some verses. Y'all don't mind if I quote some verses? I like quoting verses. Galatians 5 is the, is the principle of the Spirit of God and the fruit that the Spirit of God produces. How many know the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Watch what it says there. You're in Galatians 5. Go down to the very end, and it begins to talk about, I want you to see how Paul is writing. You've got your Bible in chapters, but there was no chapter in the letter when it was first written. Paul is still in the frame of mind of spiritual work. And so he says this. Beginning at chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault. Look what he says. Ye which are spiritual. Ye which are spiritual. Go restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness. You see, we come with water. What's the best way to get a speck out of your brother's eye? But to come in the spirit of meekness. We come in the same water that the spirit uses with us. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Come with the same water the Spirit uses with you. And you know what it says? Bear ye one another's burdens. The Bible says, let me, back, let me digress because there's a little piece here that maybe you might want to hear this. He says, if, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, go restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyselves, lest you fall into temptation. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And if any man think of himself to be something, watch this, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, man, you're nothing. You're trying to be everything when you're nothing at all. You deceive yourself. Man, brother, sister, we've got to start considering ourselves before we start considering others. This past week, while I was meditating on, on Ananias and Sapphira, and of course talking through uh, this particular, I want to show you something about Ananias and Sapphira. That, that the Spirit says, hey, do you know uh, the, the, the best story of the, of the plank in the moat? And I said, what's the best story of the plank in the moat? He says, David is. You know a man by the name of King David, right? Yes, sir. Lustrous man in the Bible. I'm looking forward when I get to heaven. Me and David, we're going to spend some time. I love David. <laughs> He's a man after God's own heart. Do do you know that David did some rather peculiar things, rather sinful things? Anybody familiar with the woman by the name of Bathsheba? You know she was fine to do all the things he, you know, she must have looked really good. He sacrificed it all for a woman. Y'all remember how David did everything kind of in secret, or at least he thought he did. He thought nobody knew. You know how we do. So I'm talking about David, but I'm really talking about you. But nonetheless, we keep going. We do things and we don't think nobody notices that that nothing's going on, that everything seems hunky-dory. And and even though there's rumors and accusations in the street, we just act as though that, that that's nonsense. Up until God shows up. Do, do you know that the prophet Nathan showed up and said, David, I, I want to tell you a story, yes, something that's happening in your kingdom. He says, there's, there, there's a rich man and there's a poor man. Now, you see, this rich man, he had herds. He was rich, man. He had herds. He had all kinds of beasts in the field. And there was a poor man. There was a neighbor. He was poor. He had nothing but, save one little ewe lamb. Yes, man, he loved that little ewe lamb. He wasn't planning on eating it. He kept it in his home. It was like a pet. It, ate, it drank from its cup, wow. ate off its plate. In fact, when he went to bed at night, he brought that little ewe lamb, slept right next to him. He, Nathan said, it was like unto him a daughter. Right, right. 
And it just so happened that a wayfaring man came through, a traveler came through, and the rich man entertained that wayfaring man. And rather than going to his flocks to, to butcher an animal out of his flocks, he took that one little ewe lamb and brought it over and, 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 and butchered it and, and cooked it and slaughtered it and gave it and fed it to his friend. You know, when David heard it, the Bible says his, his anger was kindled. And you know what he says? As the Lord liveth, surely this man shall die. And you know what Nathan said? This man is you. It's amazing how when we don't judge ourselves, how indifferent we come to each other. How brutish and how hard and how vindictive we can attack one another because we haven't done the judgment we need to do with our own lives. Friend, I'm here to tell you that's got to stop here. It's got to stop. When you examine yourself, listen, when you were examined, how did the Holy Spirit treat you? Was it not out of water and the washing of the word of God and out of his long suffering, out of his great grace and mercy? And then when we see it in others, if we haven't done the business with God ourselves, if judgment hasn't started with you, how can it begin with your neighbor? And I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of people in here, they need help. And the truth be known, a lot of us have specks in our eyes. Look at your neighbor and say, man, you got specks in your eyes, babe. But until I get the mold out of my own eye, until I learn how to judge myself, man, I can't help you. And today, listen, brother and sister, if you're going through something and you're going through some personal dilemma, some situation, some sin before God, and you haven't repented, don't be helping nobody yet. If you don't know what it is to get along with God and to uncover his grace and his goodness and his passion and his love for you and how he works those things through you, you can't help nobody else. I mean, isn't this what it's about? Forgiveness? Brothers and sisters, we got to be careful. How many have ever read Psalms 51? You've ever read Psalms 51? If you've never read it, you need to read it. Because, see, this is David doing business with himself. You know what he said, Lord? You desire truth in the inward parts. Because, man, if it was about sacrifice, I'd give it to you. But that's not what you want. What you want is a broken and contrite spirit. What a radical difference between David in repentance and David saying, surely this man shall die. Friend, where are you? Brother and sister, what haven't you dealt with yet? What thing is happening in your life that you haven't presented before God. Do you know that you have a Father in heaven? If we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive you. Do you know that we have an admonition in the Bible that if we were to judge ourselves, we won't be judged? Do you know that you're going to appear before Christ? Not the cute little baby you have in a manger. I'm talking the one that has eyes like flames of fire. I'm talking about the glorified Jesus. You're going to stand before him and you've got to give an account for good and bad, for every word. Friend, you've got to get ready for that. Don't be worried about where I am. You need to worry about where you are. And I've come to tell you that as a man of God, that you've got to get your life ready. And once you get your life ready, then you can help me get mine. Eleven forty-five. Let me get the Ananias fire. Man, you don't know how much I just helped you. Because, friend, when we get to heaven, if you look at me, when you stand before God, and if your disappointment is there, that He begins to show you. Don't look at me and say, "Preacher, you never told me I'd stand here. You never warned me of this hour that was coming." You know, there's going to be a lot of people that think they're saved. L- listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Not everyone that comes unto me shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many in that day will come saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? And did we not cast out devils? And did we not do many wonderful works? 
Then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Friend, I'm trying to tell you that if you don't deal with yourself, if our church, Harvest Point, doesn't get real with God in their prayer closet, say, Lord, look at me. Lord, refine me. Clean me with hyssop. Clean me with hyssop. Creating me a clean heart. Creating me a clean heart. Why would we want to invoke the Spirit of God? Would any of us make it? We'd have to change our name from Harvest Point Church to Drop Dead Church. You couldn't even invite people to our church. Come on to church. You may die this morning, but come visit. How many want to go to church called Drop Dead? Why you call it Drop Dead? Because people die. They give up the ghost when the Spirit of God shows up. You, you, you know I've had preachers say that, that they're praying for that day to come. I'm saying, I'm not praying for that day. I, 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 don't, I don't want people to come to church and die in church. I want them to come alive. I want them to be revived. Y'all ready for the story? We got to go. It's my mama's birthday today. We're going to go eat something. Ch check this out. Ananias and Sapphira. I spent months meditating on this couple. I'm going to say something about them that, that, that maybe might catch you by surprise. I don't think they were saved. Do, do you know that the early church in its formation was being attacked from all ends? Uh, you can read about it. Just, just go through. I'll give you one place to start. Acts chapter 15. There was a sect of Pharisees that came in teaching the church that you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. And how many know you don't have to be physically circumcised? You got to be circumcised right here in the heart, right? And so they were teaching that, and there was all sorts of attacks. But Ananias and Sapphira were coming with what they said was the sale of a property, the whole of the sale. Uh, and so they were trying to make themselves equivalent to a man by, let's say, Barnabas, who the Bible says, how many know that Barnabas, the son of encouragement, sold everything and brought it to the feet of the apostles? Right? So, so they were coming trying to look like they gave everything, but they really weren't. And so I don't know if they were trying to get the accolade or, or the pat on the back, or they were trying to gain status or popularity, and surely the Spirit of God was talking to them. Surely there was something happening there. Uh, some theologians say they might have revoked their own salvation. Because how many know people can revoke their salvation? You don't think about it? Read it. Hebrews 6. Some people, some theologians say they might have blasphemed the Spirit of God. How many remember the story where uh, Jesus was uh, cast out a devil, a man who couldn't see or hear? And then they say, well, surely he could do that because he has a power of vows above. He himself's a devil. And how many know Jesus said, no kingdom divided against itself shall stand? Right? Jesus says, you can blaspheme my name. You can blaspheme the name of the Father. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit's name, it will not be forgiven you, not in this age or in the age to come. But what is blaspheming the Spirit of God? To attribute evil to the Holy Spirit. Be careful. I don't know what happened. I know this. They didn't know God. You know how I know they didn't know God? Because they didn't deal with what was on the inside. Let me say that one more time. Ananias and Sapphira didn't deal with what was on the inside. Listen, listen, can I ask you a question? Why are you coming to church? If it's not to hear the truth, do you know? Listen, catch this. Let me, let, me, let me say it the way Jesus said. Your father is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in what? In what? Truth. Uh, brother and sister, why are you coming here if it's not to hear the truth of God? That you can take that truth and examine your life. That you would take the truth of the Lord and live that truth out in your life. Wherever you go, whatever you do. Brother and sister, if you call yourself a Christian, we, we should be experts in the truth. Friend, I'm here to tell you, today is a day of judgment. God said, I'm going to judge my people. By what measure? By what standard? By righteousness. Don't we all have a sense of justice? Don't we all want what's right? 
Don't we all want to do what's right? Well, how do you know to do what's right if you don't know the truth of what's right? Friend, let me help you. Ananias and Sapphira came to the house of the Lord pretending. And it's my job as the man of God to come and unmask you. It's my job to come and look you in your face and say, brother and sister, please get real with God. I beseech you. You're going to stand before the Lord. Why act like you're saved? Why don't you just go ahead and be saved? Right. See, 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 you, you think salvation is a one-time experience. You pray the prayer and you think it's all hunky-dory with God. And I'm here to tell you salvation is deeper than that. It's deliverance. It's God making you whole in every area of your life. It's in your marriage. It's in your fatherhood. It's in your motherhood. It's in your genes. It's in your DNA. You've been born again. You've been born again, brother. Shout it out. I've been born again. Born again in the truth of God and in the spirit of God. Listen, you can't come to church and masquerade. You can't put on a smiling face all the time because I know not everything inside of you is smiling. Brother and sister. Ananias were playing games with God. They want to look the part. They don't want to be the part. You know what happened? Well, they died there. Right at the door of the Lord. You know, because if judgment starts, it's going to start first at the house of God. Uh, you, you know, why would you come to church and be at death's door. Brother and sister, you know what? what, what your, you know what your spiritual life needs? Your, every single one of us. Listen, everybody on the side of my voice, hear this. Listen, because your preacher's talking, your pastor's talking. And I hope you at least give that office reverence. Right? You may not know me. You might have just met me today. You may know me 20 years. Reverence the office. God sends me to tell you things. What you need what you need in your life is days of introspection. Days of conviction before the Spirit of God to take those things that you have inside of you to get them right with God. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Listen, and what better person to, what better person to, and you're saying, well, preacher, well, what are you talking about? I, I, I don't know what that's saying. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Quit lying to me. You know exactly what's going on in your life because the thing that you're thinking about right now is why I came to preach to you. Will you touch your name and say, that's the thing you're thinking about right now. That thing, God wants to deal with it. You don't even have to tell me. Don't even bother to tell me because if you tell me, I'm going to think you're a freak. You're a freakazoid. I'm going to say, man, you're crazy. You lost your mind. Don't even bother to tell me what it is. Get along with God and tell him. How many are thankful that the Spirit of God can move through whatever you're going through. He's not going to make you feel bad. He's not going to condemn you. What are you going to do? He's going to stand you up. Come on, somebody. How many of you think about that when you tell the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say, ooh. You nasty. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand if you're nasty, because all of you are nasty. I know better. I know human nature. I know what you're thinking. Listen, how, how many people I say, well, preacher, if, if I would have been there in Jesus' day, I'd have loved to walk with Jesus. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. You can't even control your thoughts. You be walking with Jesus, he say, oh, my God. You lost your mind. Talking about you walk with Jesus. You can't walk with Jesus until you get a hold of your thoughts. Some of us are so lackadaisical about what we're thinking. How many know you're supposed to take thoughts captive? And you take them captive through the word of the Lord. And we're not fighting each other. We're, the warfare is what we're thinking and how things are processing. What we're letting get inside of here. Right? We're getting truthful here with God. You need to get truthful there with God. Then once you get truthful there, then come help me because I've got, I've got some stuff in my eye. I need you to help me get it out. I don't mind you telling you I got some. I don't mind saying I got sawdust in my eyes. I got some. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But you got a plank in your eye. And I don't want you fumbling around with my faith and screw me all up. You got to get right. You got to get before the Lord. We've got to take off the mask and say, Holy Spirit, work in me. 
Pour that water over me. Get my life right. There's a no sense to mask around. No sense to mask around. You, you, you know what I believe would happen if we all did the work? Then, we, then, then fear would come over the church. Yeah. You, you know why fear would come over here? Because now you're exposed for the wolf that you truly are. You know how we spot a wolf? Because we take that plank out of our eye. That's it. And we start saying to ourselves, this person isn't bearing fruit. Then fear comes because now your scam is up. Now your motives are exposed. You see, because God's going to protect his house. He's going to protect Harvest Point. You know, we've been through a lot of transitions, but we're still here. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You know, you know, a lot of things could have wrecked us, but God says, no, 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 that's my baby right there. That's my son. That's the church. That's genuine. That's the real article. I, I don't need to look out and see a thousand people. What I need to look at is the people who are sincere with God. People who say, you know what, preacher, I'll do the work. Because we're trying to expose the wolf. And you know what? God did exactly that. He exposed them as wolves. And they died right at the door. Couldn't even get in and mingle. How many know that in the church there's wolves here? How many today know there's weeds here? God said, I'm going to let the weed grow up right next to the wheat. But when judgment comes, I'll separate them. friend, don't play the fool here. This is the wrong house to come into if you think you're going to play a fool here because we're going to spot you. I already have some question marks about people in general. And you know how I can see it? Because listen, I deal with myself in my prayer closet. Brother and sister, hear this. The time has come yes, sir. that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin with us, what shall become of those that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, right. where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Right. Just like Ananias and Sapphira, we won't see them. They won't appear. Listen, friend, why don't you stand? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm not here for you. Look at the person behind you and say, I ain't here for you. Well, everybody tap your chest and say, it begins with me. It begins with me. I'm not here because my wife is tripping. Because I know how y'all pray. Lord, change my wife. She's tripping. Lord, my husband, will you change him? His head is all screwed up. I didn't come to pray for the first lady. I didn't come to address you. Begins with me. I pray today you come today and you say, you know what, preacher? It begins with me this morning. If we'll judge ourselves, and guess what? You won't be judged when you meet the one to whom John said, I fell as a dead man. Trust me, brother and sister, if he fell as a dead man, you're going to fall like a dead man. You, 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 anybody hear that song? I can only imagine. Let me just go ahead and take all the imagination out of it. When you see him, you're going to fall as dead. I know you say, I have lofty goals. I'm going to go give him a kiss. You're going to fall as dead. He's the judge of all of the universe. He knows you better than you know yourself. For what man know the spirit of the man? Say the spirit of the man which is within him. But we also have the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, who knows every single detail, every thought, everything. And you know, we have a God. The purpose of that revelation is so that you'll come to him with those things. He's not going to push you away. He's going to invite you in. He's not going to say you're crazy. He's going to say you're sane. The crazy people are the ones that act like nothing's going on. They're the true hypocrites. I pray today that you not be a hypocrite to yourself. You already know you need help. You already know what's going on in your mind. Why not bring it to God? So look, let's do this. 
and I always, I, I do this as an expression of my own life. I step into the altar area because I want, I want it to begin with me. And maybe somebody today will say, preacher, I'm going to step into the altar area with you because it begins with me too. And, I, and I'm okay with looking at myself, not at others. I'm just going to look at myself. I'm not coming down here to, you know, pray for my auntie or my uncle. I'm not, I'm not here to say, Lord, you know, my son, he's, he's, he, he needs you and such, such. All those prayers of salvation, keep them. They're valuable. Keep praying prayers of salvation. But that's not the call this morning. The call is that if you're willing to come and address your life, come and address. I'm here. I'm the preacher. I'm no different than you. It begins with me. If anything, it begins with me first, even before the house of God. And if I can't do it, why should I expect the people of God to do it? But you know what? I just want to, I want to present myself before the Almighty. Will you do that with me? Will you present yourself before the Almighty? You know, John stood before that, that, that wonderful man. The Bible says that when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And, and John says that his right hand touched me. And you know what he said? He said, fear not. For I'm the Alpha and the Omega. In other words... I've already finished it for you. I've already made it whole for you. I've already, the remedy's been applied, but you have to come and ask. Don't say, well, Jesus forgave me. Have you repented? Friend, have you admitted your fault before God? Have you brought it to him? Or do you think the blood is an automatic thing? It just applies just because you said, uh, I, I'm a Christian. Friend, let me tell you something. Repentance is the first act of intimacy in your Christian walk. It's how we show God a level of sincerity. Father, I've sinned against you and you only. And, and, and so I want you to come and just tell the Father that. Say, say, Father, I've sinned against you and against you only. Your eyes saw me when I was shaping in my mother's womb. You saw me that I was already shaped in iniquity. David cries out in Psalm 51, I'm a worm, God. I'm a worm. Nothing. He cried out, Lord, cleanse me. Make me clean. He cries out to God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. This is a repentant David. This isn't the judgmental David. This is a David that's broken. And he's just crying out to God, God, here I am. Examine me. Look at my heart. You desire truth in the inward parts. Because if it was a sacrifice, if it was something, I'd give it to you. But that's not what you desire. You desire a broken and contrite spirit. Father, that you won't despise that. Bring your brokenness to God. Come on. Bring your sin before the Lord. Deal with your faithlessness. D deal with your unbelieving heart. Deal with it this morning. Uh, present it before God. Say, Father, here I am in the truth of who I am. No hiding, no charades, no masquerading. Here I am. Tell Him what it is. You say, Preacher, I don't have time to tell Him all. Just start at the first one. Let the Spirit of God guide you. Just, just start at the first one. F Father, I have a lying tongue. Father, I'm broken in my passions with lust, pornography, whatever it is, just tell him. Just tell him. I'm addicted. I'm addicted to attention. I'm a narcissist. I'm addicted to a pipe, to a, to a drug, to a thing. me I'm here I repent of it I know you don't want this for me I repent help me Holy Spirit strengthen me by the strength of your right hand deliver me from the throes of death that I'm in help me help me just just repent come on just repent I don't know what what you have to tell God but you could tell them they're just you don't have to say it out loud, but you got to say it in your spirit to God. Just confess it. Come on, judgment starts here first. Judgment starts with you. It begins with me. It begins with you. Take it to the Lord. He's kind. He's gracious. 
He's merciful. He's loving. He's not going to shoo you away. He's going to bring you close. He didn't tell David get lost. He brought him into his bosom. Even the prophet Nathan said, the Lord has laid aside this sin. He forgave him. He forgave him. Take care of it. Come on, go, go, go. I'll give you, I'll give you another minute or two. We're just repenting. Father, we're repenting.